Season 1, Episode 4. Today I'm going to talk about the fact that all young people are at risk for something. That may seem like a bold statement for me to make, but this is one truth that we can't simply sweep under the rug. When we really want to approach young people from a positive youth development approach, we have to acknowledge that we're dealing with risk factors. Have you ever felt that we are losing young people to the world around them and that they have already chosen to walk away from Jesus without even knowing him? And did you know that all young people are at risk for something? That's why I want to welcome you to the Jesus is my hashtag podcast, where positive youth development and youth ministry intersect. I'm your host, Deb Schroeder. Join me weekly for encouragement, resources, and strategies to assist you in helping young people make Jesus their hashtag. As we get started today, I need to tell you a little something about how I was raised. I was raised in a two-parent household. I always had access to food and shelter. I had caring and involved parents in my life, and I had financial stability, and I had access to opportunities and education. My siblings were also raised in that same home with those same opportunities and the same loving, caring parents. We were not rich, but to be honest, I don't ever remember experiencing a time where financially we were not able to be able to afford the basic needs in life. I'm not sharing this out of guilt or to make anybody feel bad. I know my parents worked hard for the things that they had and that they provided to us. But I also know that led to the fact that I had more advantages than some others. And this leads us to what I want to talk about today. I know some people would look at how I was raised and think that that would mean instant success. But that idea isn't really accurate. Yes, certain things in my life meant that I might experience fewer challenges, had fewer risk factors for poverty, substance abuse, education failure, teen pregnancy, depression, etc. But even I was at risk for something. Sadly, all young people are at risk for something. Let's look at that a little more in depth. Remember how I have shared that these years of adolescence is a developmental process. Young people are growing physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, and spiritually. All young people, regardless of risk factors in their lives, all young people are experiencing a journey of development. But there are absolutely increased risk factors that can lead to unhealthy behaviors in teens. Let me help paint an image of what this might look like. Imagine a young person is like a tower of Jenga blocks. For each risk factor, we would pull out one Jenga block. Over time, the more we remove, the less solid of a foundation there is and the greater risk that the tower will fall over. In this case, remember that tower, it is the young person. As young people are exposed to poverty, low expectations, homelessness, abuse, truancy, their foundation just gets weaker and weaker, making them more likely to engage in unhealthy behaviors, form unhealthy relationships, and disengage from family, friends, and their community. From a faith perspective, these same young people can begin to carry such low self-esteem and even shame from their behaviors that a barrier can begin to grow and widen in terms of believing that God could never love them and never forgive them. 
I saw this over and over again when I worked in both corrections and in the Job Corps program. I began to see a pattern of brokenness and a pattern of similar family challenges that seemed to contribute to the types of choices that young people would make. I remember being saddened and brokenhearted at the stories of the young men I worked with in juvenile corrections. Their laundry list of risk factors was so great. As I looked at them, I realized they had a lack of supports, a lack of resources, a lack of opportunities. They didn't have someone present every day making sure they got to school. They didn't necessarily have someone who was showing up consistently in their lives and pouring into them in a positive way. They rarely, if ever, were told that someone believed in them. Their expectations for them often wasn't very high if it was expressed at all. They themselves were disconnected from community resources that could have helped them and their families. The heaviness of heartache I carried was great as I then looked at all of the advantages I had had as a teenager those same ages. Specifically, I can think of multiple adults who had been investing in me and helping me to realize that I had a future that could be filled with success. These same young men, many of them were either sexually or physically abused. They were only between the ages of 12 and 14 and many had already endured years of abuse. And again, these same young men were almost all from broken or split homes. Either a parent was in jail or prison or had been. The education level of the majority of their parents was a GED, if they even had that. Most did not have any connection to faith or a church community in a consistent way that really could have served to care for them. And I remember asking myself over and over again at night after my shift was done, how do we break the cycle? How do we help these boys not end up stuck in the juvenile justice system? And as I reflect on my work at the Job Corps program, I can see such similar patterns. A lot of the young people seem to struggle academically in the traditional public school system. Most of their parents were blue-collar workers with very few families actually having the tradition of secondary education in their family history. Many came from single-income households. They, too, had parents who had little education, were absent due to serving time, and so many faced mental health issues of their own. These young men and women ages 16 to 24 were there to learn a trade and earn their GED. This opportunity was a way for them to shift their family's patterns. But you know what else was common in these young people's lives? They also didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not saying that they never had any exposure to God. What I am saying is that they didn't have an active, personal relationship with Jesus. They weren't active in youth groups. They were not in Christian mentoring relationships. Faith was so far down their list that that is not what they were focusing on. And this leads me back to my own story for a moment. As I said, I was raised in a connected family with financial stability. I was also raised going to church every Sunday and praying to God. And so were my siblings. But many would have looked at my family and said, we were not really at risk for problem behaviors like addiction, running away, etc. The truth, though, we lived those very things with my sister. My sister chose a different path that walked away from what we had been taught. She struggled with an addiction that led to poor choices, poor behaviors, and lifelong consequences. 
I won't share specific details of her story because it's just that. It's her story. But what I can tell you is that I watched it. I witnessed her placing herself in unhealthy environments, in unhealthy relationships to find whatever she was looking for. And these things continued to increase her risk factors. I even watched her choose not to have a relationship with Jesus. I can only guess that that would have meant her behaviors would have come into question. My point, again, all young people are at risk for unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy choices and not having a relationship with Jesus. Even being raised in a family that attends church and is active in their church and community does not preclude a young person from walking away from Jesus. In future episodes, my oldest son will be joining me on the podcast and share his story about choosing rebellion, disobedience, and walking away from his faith. He's grown a lot and is in a different place than he was several years ago. As I was starting my online ministry in this podcast, he told me that I could share his story. The truth, it's his story to share, but it's also my story as a parent. It's our family's story because of his choices that affected all of us. I can't wait to have him join me. The reality, though, he is away at college, and there are just some logistics we need to figure out in terms of him coming home to be able to record that podcast episode. But I promise we will get to that story. Now, briefly knowing my oldest son struggled and made some unhealthy choices could lead you to ask, How could you host a podcast about youth development and faith when your own child chose a different path? My answer is one of the greatest lessons I have learned in the past several years. It's that no matter how much you care about a young person, no matter how long you have been building the faith foundation in their life, none of that is a guarantee to protect them from choosing a different path than what you would have chosen for them. And a part of that lesson that I sometimes struggle with is that my child's choices are not a reflection on me. They were his choices to make and a part of his story. My responsibility in these moments is to remember that God is working in all of us and none of our stories are finished. As a caring adult, we work hard to make sure all young people have limited risk factors, but the truth is there will always be risk on some level. So here we are. I've said all young people are at risk for something. I've said all young people have different levels of risk factors. I really haven't painted a very positive picture, have I? But I don't want you to think for a second that there's no hope. Just like there are risk factors, there are also protective factors that can minimize these risk factors. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention defines protective factors as individual or environmental characteristics, conditions, or behaviors that reduce the effects of stressful life events. These factors also increase an individual's ability to avoid risks or hazards and promote social and emotional competence to thrive in all aspects of life, now and in the future. If you ask me to simplify that, I would say a protective factor is something that helps to balance out the risk factors or can even help to eliminate those while allowing young people to make healthier choices throughout adolescence. What are those protective factors? Well, the list is long and it ties into developmental outcomes. In the next episode, we are going to start looking at developmental outcomes that all young people need to be successful throughout adolescence and transition into adulthood. 
There is a lot of research around developmental outcomes, but I am going to focus on 12 key outcomes. Now about those protective factors, here's some examples. Physical development, self-esteem, coping skills, problem-solving skills, clear expectations for behaviors and values, supportive relationships for young people, and active participation in the community. One of the research pieces that is a part of the Advancing Youth Development Curriculum includes an article from the Northwest Regional Educational Laboratory titled, Fostering Resiliency in Kids, Protective Factors in the Family, School, and Community. This article detailed a consistent finding across research that all young people need to develop problem-solving skills, flexibility, autonomy, and a sense of purpose in future. They need to be engaged in caring and supportive relationships individually, within the family, and in the community. Young people need to have high expectations for themselves and need to be believed in. They also need an opportunity to actively participate and make choices for themselves. So how does that make a difference in the work that you are doing? Well, it means we need to be building healthy relationships with young people, ensuring that their basic needs are met. We need to be aligning those needs with services, opportunities, and supports. We need to be actively engaging young people in all levels of participation and responsibility. We also need to be acknowledging that young people need to figure out who they are and that they get to be in control of that process. We need to be speaking encouragement into the lives of our young people and we need to be modeling and talking about our faith on a regular basis. You might be wondering, how do I do that? What do I need to do differently? Or why is what I am doing not working like I want it to? Part of working with young people and making a difference in their lives is being willing to ask ourselves these questions. Just as young people need to be flexible, so do we. As we start to talk about developmental outcomes, we will be answering these questions in detail. But for today, I want to give you an action step, a challenge, so to speak. Throughout the next week, I want you to intentionally speak encouragement to a young person or young people in your life. Tell them that you believe in them. Point out some of the gifts that God has given them. Be specific and very concrete in your details. This will help them to believe you and even see things in themselves that they didn't see before. This may not seem like a huge step, and it may be something that you already do, but do it anyways and do it with an incredible intention because when we approach young people and our relationships with them and being intentional about building their self-esteem, we are investing in our relationship, we are investing in them, and we are helping to strengthen their foundation. And it's that foundation upon which they will build their faith. Remember that Jenga tower? You might be putting in the missing block that one of those risk factors took out. You're going to be strengthening that foundation. You're going to be supporting that young person. Here's one more challenge. Visit my Facebook or Instagram page to tell me how this week goes for you. I can't wait to hear the ways in which you invest intentionally in the lives of young people, how you build up their self-esteem, and how you tell them some of the gifts that God has blessed them with. And don't forget to join me again here next week on this podcast, where we are going to start to talk about developmental outcomes. Hey there, fellow youth workers. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember what Matthew 9.37 tells us, the harvest is plentiful 
but the workers are few. In other words, keep showing up and keep caring.